Welcome Welcome to your inspiration station with Sisters in Spirit. Sisters in Spirit, affectionately called SIS, is a nurturing environment for women that inspires harmony in everyday living, shares resources that empower, offers information and support that nourishes the soul, balances our mental and physical well-being, and promotes inner peace and heightened spirituality. Our vision is a world in which women live consciously, harmoniously, and spiritually to positively impact our lives and the lives of those with whom we come into contact. Join us, sisters, as we live with style, grace, and, of course, much joy. I'm Raisa, and I'm here with my co-host, Sky. Sky, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you, Raisa? Good, thank you. Good, good to be here. Yes, it is. Today's topic is investing in a post-recession economy, and we're fortunate to have a guest with us today who can give us some insight into investing in these turbulent times. Her name is Patricia Stallworth. Hello, Patricia. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for joining the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Hi, Patricia. Hi. Patricia is an expert in the financial industry. She's a 16-year veteran, and she's the author of Minding Your Money and the creator of the Minding Your Money seminar series, which highlights quick and easy financial strategies to take charge of your money and take control of your financial life. She has an MBA. She's a certified financial planner. She's a certified divorce financial planner, and in addition to her seminars, she also hosted a talk show called Monday Morning Minutes on WCLK in Atlanta. She's currently the president of C- and CEO of PS Word, which is a financial education and consulting firm dedicated to revolutionizing the way people think about and learn about and manage their money. Before she started her company, she worked in either a management or advisory position with several firms, including American Express, AXA Financial Advisors, and Deloitte & Touche. She's currently based in Atlanta, and she appreciates hearing about your successes, suggestions, and questions. So get out your pens, and she's got some great information for you today, and you can also email her at ps at mindingyourmoney.net or visit her website at www.mindingyourmoney.net. And that's www.minding, is it capital M, capital Y, capital M as in money. So today we are going to start with our blog topic and look at some of the feedback that we had um, from those of you who responded. And then uh, we'll look at the poll as well. And then we're going to ask Patricia to respond to the blog and we'll get into some other tips. Sky, did you want to make some comments before we get into that? Well, the only thing I'd like to do at this point is to remind the callers that the call-in number is 347-838-9886. And that's our calling number if you have any questions or comments once we open up the lines. And you will be identified by the last four digits of your phone number. So once you hear those four digits, that means that we have put you on the line. Okay, so we'll kick off the the topic with a line out of John Legend's song called Quickly. And it reads, 
The news says the sky is falling, the globe is warming, my country's warring, leaders are lying, and time is running. And this is pretty much the backdrop in which we're making our financial decisions today. And Chicken Little would be right at home with the fear that's running rampant in this world that we've made up. Despite the declared end of the recession by Warren Buffett, we're really on a roller coaster ride. Last week, stocks again were pushed to one-year highs as the market continued to rally, and then stocks closed down. When the housing market report came out to show that rather than progressing, we're regressing, and there was a decline in home sales last month, unemployment claims were down in middle September, and then um, the end of September, beginning October, we saw that they were up again at a high. The dollar continues to lose value over other currencies, and it's no longer the, the strong currency base that it used to be for all of the world's currency. So what we're seeing in this environment now is that world economics will never go back to the good old days where the U.S. was the undisputed pack leader. So with all this perceived chaos set in motion, what kind of investment strategy do, is best for us, as women especially? And overall, the question is, what's a sister to do? And so um, there were a couple of comments that came in on that. And let's see, we got a comment that said, it's really hard to, to know what to do now. In this reset economy, nothing goes back to what was normal. I'm, more, I'm really looking forward to the show to get some advice. All I know is that I need to stay focused on my end goal and not get tied up in all the specifics. Recessions, countries warring, global warming. I decided I wasn't going to do the recession, and for the most part, I've been successful. I've learned that life gives you what you ask for, consciously or unconsciously. Uh, so, Sky, I want to start with you. Do you have any feedback on our blog today? Well, the, the, the one thing that comes to my mind is, and, and this is partially from experience, is that um, financially a lot of people are being uh, reset or as they say in the media, you know, the middle class is dwindling. So since people have less money that they're operating with, uh, a lot of people may feel that they're not able to actually, you know, invest. So instead of investing or uh, doing every other things to grow their money, they're like hoarding the money, and it's it's just sitting there mostly decreasing in value. So that's one of the issues that, that I find myself in and, and a number of other people that um, that I talk to. You know, your money is, the value is decreasing. Uh, you don't know what's the best investment strategy at this point. So that's one of the, um, the issues that I, I think a lot of us are grappling with at this time. Even though we might have money in the um, the market right now, you know, Basically, we're kind of just like sitting there looking at it. Yeah, and then that leads us into the blog question. What are you doing differently investment-wise since the recession is over? And there were four choices. Nothing. I'm waiting for the investments to recover. Um, I'm keeping my money safe under the mattress, and I'm getting educated in diversing my investments, or I was proactive and began investing differently pre-recession. And the last was, I'm seeking spiritual balance first and then looking for direction on how to advance. 
And so 20% of the people said they're not doing anything. I'm just waiting for my investments to recover. Uh, another 20% had the last response, seeking balance first and then looking for direction on how to in, uh, invest, which is pretty much getting an education. And then the rest of it, the response was split uh, between I'm getting educated and diversifying my investments and I was proactive. So nobody said that they were just putting it under their matches. Patricia, do you have some input for us on that? Well, I'm really glad to hear that no one's just putting it under <laughs> their mattress because it, you're, you are, are surely not going to, to grow your money at all if it's sitting under the mattress. Um, but I do believe that we've gotten caught up in too much of what the news media has to say about what's going on, and we're forgetting the basics of investing and really just managing your money all together. There's some basic kinds of things that you should be doing regardless of what is going on the, in the economy. And I think sometimes we get into this sort of little panic mode like Chicken Little and we really forget the basics. And so now is the time to go back and really examine the basics and make sure that you're doing those things first before you start just throwing your money at different investments. Right. And and I know personally for myself, you know, I started looking into different investments and they weren't necessarily the right ones. I did something with real estate and I guess I caught the bubble at the late end of it, lost some money there and and then made another investment that didn't turn out. So I guess I'm a little investment leery. So um I guess we want to talk a little bit about what are some safer investments and things that you could do in this time period. And for the callers on the line, um, we have Patricia's book, 27 Savvy Strategies, 27 Savvy Financial Financial Strategies for Women. Mm -hmm. Um, To the first caller, we will give them a copy of that book. So if you're on the line, call in and ask questions. if you could go over the basics, that would be helpful because, like you said, a lot of us are just caught up in like a little tizzy right now trying to figure out if you could just give us a few of the basic tips that we could um, reexamine and try to start moving in that direction once again. That would be helpful if we could do that okay. as well. Well, one of the first things is to really determine what it is you want to do with your money. So you need to have a plan for it. Um, investing just for the sake of investing is, is never really a good idea because then you don't have a basis for deciding whether or not it's time to get out or you should stay in or what you should do. So when you invest, one of the first things is to realize, what, what, what do I want this money to do? Because in some cases you do just want the money to, to maintain itself, to be stable. In other cases you want to grow it. So it depends upon what you're going to use the money for. If I'm buying a house in a couple of years, I want to maintain that money. I don't want it to necessarily grow because I may have to take too much risk to have that money grow. But if I'm looking at retirement 15, 20 years down the road, then growth is what I want. So that allows you to, number one, begin to choose the category of investments that you want to begin with. So there are investments that are are really geared toward growth. There are investments that are geared geared toward income. 
and there's they're sort of like those investments that maintain or are safe safe havens for your money. And so depending upon what the goal is, that's where you begin to choose how you begin to choose investment. Um, it becomes really important, and I think you've mentioned this uh, a couple of times, about educating yourself. And uh, educating yourself is extremely important. There is information everywhere today. You can go; It's all over the Internet. There are classes, there are seminars, there's books. Uh, there's just about any kind of vehicle that you think that you could learn best with is available to you to, to learn about investing. As women, traditionally, we haven't been taught about investing and but today we don't have an excuse for not getting that education so that's one of the things that is so important when you begin to get educated about money you'll bump into some some principles some very simple principles one is to pay yourself first and you mentioned that a lot of people don't have as much money maybe today as they did in the past because of the economic times so this becomes even more important to pay yourself first and paying yourself first means you take the money right off the top and you invest it. We have this habit of no matter how much money we have, we tend to just be able to get rid of all of it. And sometimes right. even more than what we have, we get rid of it. But by taking it off the top, we've already invested. So when we spend all the rest, then it's okay because we've done what we need to do in terms of protecting our future. So one of the one of the main ones is to pay yourself first. Uh, that means learning to live on less than you earn, which can be a um, which can be very difficult during these times. But you do have to learn to live on less than what you earn. Um, so many times, that means that you need to develop a budget, which I know is a dirty word for many people, but it is something that's essential. If you're going to learn to live on less than you earn, you've got to know what you earn and what kind of expenses have to go out. So the basics, the core basics like that are the things that I'm talking about when I say really get back to the basics first before you invest. Then you know that you can leave the money there for a period of time because you've taken care of all of your other expenses. Yeah, yeah. Um, that Those are good points. And another caller, or rather another commenter to the blog made the comment about in, ed, getting educated as well. And they said that money is a tool to help us get what we want and where we want in life. And like any other tool, we have to know how to use it properly to get the most out of it. Absolutely. Investment 101 just wasn't part of my upbringing. Even now, I don't take the time to manage my money to make it work for me. I think we need to get educated on money matters when you understand something really dissected, there is no more fear. Yeah, absolutely. That is um, that's one of the things that is absolutely essential. And sometimes we, especially as women, we sort of pass that along. We don't really take the time to understand about investing because once we get married, we figure you know our spouse will take care of that and we don't have to worry about it. But today is a different story. This is a whole different world, and women can't afford to sit back and do absolutely nothing. Uh, there's been several studies out, and they show that over your lifetime, 
at least 90% of all women are going to be responsible for their financial lives. And that comes into play because of divorce, of death, and the fact that we live longer than men. We, we live five to seven years longer. And as you know, in the workplace, we don't earn what men earn even for the same job. So we have to do let we have to do more with less money, and so it becomes very very important to educate yourself about uh, how you grow your money and what kinds of things you can do. And the earlier you do this, the better, because you know if you know anything about compounding, you understand that uh, money investments as the interest accrues on it you get you earn interest on the interest and so that your investments grow even faster but it takes time to do that so if you can start investing early then you get ahead of the curve and you can you can come up with some tremendous sums by just investing a small amount you know we've got a caller we're going to go to the caller okay caller is 657 you have a question Yes, good evening. I just want to thank you ladies for making the time to really address this very important issue that affects all of us as women. So kudos to you. Um, My question is, I blindly, I was was with Henny Penny and I was feeling like the sky was falling (laughs) and I lost, (laughs) I lost like um, maybe like $6,000, a little over $6,000, but um, and I decided to stop the bleeding by purchasing gold ingots. Can um, our advisors or our professionals speak to um, the purchasing of gold ingots and whether that was a good idea? Because I knew that I couldn't just leave it, you know, I, I couldn't just keep bleeding, but at the same time I knew I had to do something. So could, could, can you please speak to that? Well, in terms of buying, um, buying gold, and I'm going to mute for a minute, caller. Okay. There's an echo. Okay. In terms of buying gold, in terms of what you did essentially in a way is you got out of the market in a sense. And one of the things that we fail to look at is that some companies are doing extremely well. You know, so you the whole idea behind building a diversified portfolio is that you have uh, – different kinds of investments inside of your portfolio that are doing different things at different times. So the whole idea is that while some are up, some are down, and so that you can kind of keep more of a um, more of a constant or stable portfolio return. Now that's not uh, that's not as difficult as you may think because what needs to happen is you really need to do research on investments. Some of your investments were, were down. Obviously, you lost you lost money, and the market as a whole was down about uh, thirty to forty percent. So if, if you if you only lost, and I know this sounds bad to say, if if you only lost thirty to forty percent of your portfolio, you did what the average investor did. But understand that there are some companies, there are some investments that increased dramatically over the past year. And so the whole idea is to do your research and find those investments that are growing just the opposite of what the current ones that you have and not to get rid of everything that you have because when the market turns around, then you'll have those investments that are going to be coming up again. But understanding that instead of sort of pulling out in a sense, this is the time to really hunker down, do your research to find those companies that are doing really well right now and shift 
a portion of your investments over to those so that you stay in the market, you can take advantage of the growth, and then when the market turns around, your other investments are sitting there that are going to pull up from there. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yes, it did. But where do I start um, the research? Where do I start looking? I have no idea where to start. Well, one of the things to do is is sort of look around you and see which companies are making it. For example, Walmart's doing extremely well, and that's not a secret, you know. Right. They're, they're doing extremely well. So you want to get companies that are recession-proof, and you want to have them as a portion of your portfolio. So you're going to be looking for companies like that. One of the places to go is really just to look in your daily paper, you know, the business section of of the paper. Or one of the, you know, you can get some ideas from magazines, from money magazines and things like that, or listen to the news um, when they talk about what companies are doing well, what companies are, are not doing so well. And you begin to understand, and then you start looking up those companies to see if they are doing as well as you think they are. There's lots of places online where you can go and you can track uh, investments. You can track stocks or you can track mutual funds to see how they've done over the past week or month or year, you know, whatever you'd like to look at. But, you know, begin to start with things that you know, things that you have seen, things that you understand. And so we can, I think we can all understand Walmart and, and what their philosophy is. And we can also understand, and this is when you're doing the research, this is where it becomes really important for you to begin to understand the companies that you want to buy into because we can also understand understand things that could cause Walmart to go down, you mm-hmm. know, because we know them well enough. And I sort of take when I when I talk to to women's group, I I tend to tell them, you know, it's sort of like um you know how when you go into a store and they have a dress and it's on sale and you look at the dress and you go, yeah, that's a good price, but it's not it's not the best. I bet if I come back in another, you know, month that dress is going to be even cheaper, and then I'm going to buy that dress because you understand that market. You understand the dress market and what's going on in that store. And so it's the same kind of thing. You want to get to understand. You want to get to know the different companies that you want to buy into so that you understand when something is a bargain, when something is too high, and when, and when something could be coming down the pike that could really hurt them, and so it's not a good time to get into those kinds of things. So depending upon what you're doing, if you're – and I was sort of leaning toward investing in individual stocks. If you're going to do that, research is extremely important. If you're going into mutual funds, then you really need to take a look inside of that mutual fund to see what companies that mutual fund is holding. And that, too, gives you an idea of how stable that mutual fund will be or how volatile it will be depending upon the types of companies it has inside of it. And Patricia, as a certified financial planner, um, you offer your services for a fee to provide help with investment strategies and planning, et cetera, correct? Yes, I do. What I do is I do something a little bit different than most financial planners. I don't, um, I don't sell investments or manage investments. What I do is I teach people how to do it for themselves. So I have classes and I have coaching uh, that I provide that really teaches you how 
to take control. That's the whole idea of the company. I want you to be able to take control, whether you work with a broker or someone else who actually places the trades for you. You need to be in control of that so that you can understand what works for you, what's right for you, so that when they make recommendations and things like that, you can be the judge of whether or not that's a good thing for you. Because understand, no matter what somebody else recommends, you've got to live with the outcome. And so the final word is really yours, and you can't give that away. If you do give that away, then you really do have to live with the consequences that they that they put forth for you. And and that's very powerful, too, because as you, as you said, even though you may have a, a financial analyst or someone working with you, you, it's better for us to know what they're talking about so that we can make informed decisions for ourselves, even though we do have someone. So that is very powerful that you are helping to empower people because that's basically what it does. It, it empowers us to understand what's going on when we are looking at the financial statements, when we are talking to uh, a financial investment uh, broker or someone like that. The other thing that um, you said that I wanted to touch base on, too, was when we're looking at our portfolios and working with mutual funds to look at the companies inside of those funds. Because I know that I do this in, in particular when I go through and, you know, I'm looking at the 401K and looking at the other little investments, and I have mutual funds, you just sit up there basically and look at the name. Yeah. But you have to go in and look at those companies. So, you know, a lot of us have those um, mutual funds. So, you know, start looking a little bit deeper. I'll do that sometimes. I'll go start digging deeper and, you know, looking at, you know, how the, each individual fund is doing. But looking at the companies within those funds is, is very important as well. And, and that's another point that I just wanted to bring out to everybody because I know some people, even though we are going through hard times, we do have these mutual funds and other investment items in our portfolio, so we need to know how to look at those. And sometimes the items in your portfolio may be businesses that you might not necessarily want to even support. So it is important that you know what is underneath your mutual fund or whatever kind of fund that you have portfolio. Yeah, that, that becomes even more important because one of the things that you're talking about is diversifying, mm -hmm. and many mutual funds have the same companies. So when you think you're diversifying, you're not really diversifying because you're buying mutual funds that hold the same companies. So that makes it even more important for you to take a look at what's inside of that mutual fund to make sure that you really are diversifying uh, the holdings that you have. Wonderful. You are listening to Sisters in Spirit, Inspiration Station. The topic is money on your mind, and our guest today is Patricia Stallworth. And her motto is, if you don't mind your money, someone else will. And you can reach her at ps at mindingyourmoney.net or at her website, www.mindingyourmoney.net. And we do have another caller on the line. We'll go to caller 9064. Hello? Hello? Caller 9064, that's the last four digits of your phone number. Okay. Well, we're while we're waiting, I also want to tell your listeners that I have an, an article called Five Ways Women Can Become Better Investors. And if they will send me an email at ps at net, I'll be happy to send them a copy 
of this article. It's a brand new article; hasn't been published anywhere yet, so oh. they can get first dibs on this one. <laughs> oh, great! That's great, and we can segue into our web magazine, which is called Fluid Magazine, and that's an, an avenue where we would be able to share that with our members if that's something that would work for you. Okay. Okay. We can discuss that later. Well, thank you. That I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, one question that um, I had as well, and it, this is, again, dealing with um, the situations that a lot of people might find themselves in right now. Um, say if we are the person that's doing, as you mentioned earlier, we are, you know, uh, budgeting, we are, you know, looking at our money, we are, you know, just really handling things properly. And we still, at this point, we don't have a large sum to invest, but what would be a good starting point um, for us, you know, if we have, what what would be a minimum amount that we would need to invest or what would be a good starting point if we're doing all the other things, all the basics correctly? Well, I think that, you know, that's a mistake that a lot of people make. They think I've got to have a ton of money to invest. And I think that really if you have $50 a month, you know, and I think most people can come up with $50 a month that you can invest. One of the things that uh, that happens is that, let's say, for example, you're going to go into mutual funds. That's, and that's really – mutual funds are really a good place for somebody to start if, you know, they're just getting into the market because mutual funds, uh, you know, they – they do a lot of the work for you already, and so you don't have to do as much research. You still have to do some, but you don't have to do as much, and you don't have to to uh, really uh, do all of the things that you have to do if you're going to invest in individual stocks. So mutual funds are a good place. And let's say that you're going to be investing in mutual funds. One of the things, uh, one of the things to do, as I said, you can do this with fifty dollars. Some of them will have minimums. And so you may have to save that $50 for a few months until you get enough to have the minimum to get into the fund. But once you're in there, you can set up something uh, called dollar cost averaging, where every month uh, they take out 50, 100, whatever you, you know, whatever you specify out of your checking account or savings account or something, and they put it directly in the fund. So you don't have to worry about trying to do that every month. And your money is automatically being invested for you in the funds that you have chosen. I think that's a really good thing because we're all really busy today and we forget. And yeah. so if you, as, as many things as you can automate as possible is is great. And so dollar cost averaging is a great way to get in. But don't wait until you have, you know, that huge amount of money to put into the market. Start getting into the market um, as soon as possible, just to give you an idea. Let's say that you wanted to you wanted to grow your money to a million dollars. I call it a cool million. And if you started investing at age 20 and you earned eight percent, which is which is probably which is pretty good today. Eight percent is doable. So if you earned eight uh, percent and you wanted to have that uh, that cool million by age 65, and you started at age 20 with an investment of $207 a month, you could reach, you would have a million dollars when you reach um, age 65. If you wait until you're age 35 in order to get to that same place, you're looking at $705 a month. So the earlier you can invest, the better and the cheaper it is for you. I hear that. And then if you're 50, whoo. 
Oh, yeah. If you're 50, you want to hear that number? Oh, what is that number? <laughs> that number is 2943. Oh, you know what? I was just thinking 3,000. I was thinking 3,000. Yeah, 3,000 yeah, 3, oh. to, uh, to do that at age 50 at 8%. But understand, 8% is very doable today. Even 10% is very doable today. And that number drops dramatically if you can earn 10%. So if you've got a long time frame, then really research your investments. And here's something else I was going to say about mutual funds. Don't get into the brand-new funds. Look for funds that have been around for at least 10 years. When you look at those funds, then you, can, you have a history to look at, and you can see how they've done when, you know, when the market was down, when the market was up, you know, how they have performed. And that gives you a, a good indication of what they might do in the future. So don't go for the new funds. Look for funds that have a history of at least 10 years. So you want to see how they're performing through the cycles, the up and down cycles. Right, right, right. Those that have been there before have a better chance of doing better in the future than those that are brand new and struggling right now. You know, so it's it's very important to to go ahead and do that part of the research to look at not just to look at the you know how long they've been around to look at the fee structure because the more fees you pay the less your return is right. so there's lots of elements associated with mutual funds that you really need to take a look at and especially for those of you who have 401k's find out what the fees are you know and who's paying the fee is the company that you work for paying the fee or are they shifting that fee off to you? And you really want to pay attention to those fees inside of the 401Ks because some of them are tremendous. Well, that's okay. always been an issue for me in terms of working with a financial um, planner mm-hmm. is the, uh, the, the, the fees. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there are a couple of ways that you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you could work with someone that gives you information or works with you and then there's another situation where you can work with a planner and they take a fee. Can you elaborate on, on that, if, if that's correct and, and how I'm stating it? Uh, well, there's, there's basically three different ways that, that planners will work with you. Uh, the first way is uh, a planner will work with you as a fee-based planner, which means that they either charge you a fee for the services they provide, like they charge you an hourly fee or a project fee. And they may also um, charge you fees if they manage your money. So they may charge you a percentage of the amount of money that they're managing for you. The other type is a commission. So they don't charge you fees, but everything you buy from them, they charge you a commission on that. So every time you do a buy or a sell, you pay a commission. And so that's the other way that they work with you. And then the third way is is there's a combination. They may charge you a fee for some services. They may charge you a commission for other services. But one of the things to do whenever you go to uh, interview, and I do suggest you interview at least three financial planners or brokers or whoever you want to work with, Uh, and find out what that fee structure is and get some ideas from them because here again, the more fees you pay, the less your return is because that comes right out of your money. So um, it's, it's very important. And then the other way, obviously, you can do it yourself 
and you pay fees to some type of brokerage company for buying and selling, you know, depending upon how you do, unless you go through a mutual fund and you may not have any fees associated with that at all. So you have to there's there's lots of different ways um to invest and one of the things that that I would really suggest is that if you're just getting started and you have a job to go ahead and open up a Roth IRA because a Roth IRA gives you so many benefits and you know with Congress we never know when something is going away right so I'm, I'm suggesting that people get into those Roth IRAs as soon as they can because what a Roth IRA does is that the money you put in you're putting in after-tax money, which means that you can take it out anytime you want to without any penalties or anything. You would pay penalties on the growth inside that fund, but you would not pay penalties on money you put in. So you put in money, it grows tax-deferred, and then after age 59 and a half, when you take that money out, that money comes out tax-free. So you have you don't have to worry about paying taxes on the growth or the money that you put in. So it's it's a great, great deal, and you can get started. Usually with um, with Roth IRA accounts, you can get started with $100 or less in opening that account. So that's a great way to go. Um, sometimes people get confused between when I say something like a Roth IRA and they're thinking that that is an investment. That's not an investment. That is a type of account. And so it's sort of like having a savings account. You'd have a Roth IRA account, and then you could put different investments inside of that Roth IRA. Okay. We've got a question on the chat line. Um, they said, what advice do you have for teenage girls and young college attendees who have little part-time jobs? Should they get into the market? What should they do? This is an excellent time for them to open a Roth IRA. (laughs) It is an excellent time because as long as you have earned income, and remember, I know sometimes we get into binds and we need that money, and remember the thing that's so great about that, if you do have to have it, if it's a real emergency, and we're talking real emergency, and pizza is not a real emergency. So if it's a real emergency, you can go in and you can get that money back. But starting out, remember we said at age 20, if you started putting just $200 a month into something like a Roth IRA, age 65, you'd be a millionaire, millionaire, and without doing anything else, you know, <laughs> if you didn't do anything else, if you just, just could let the money, money sit and grow, just set the, just let the money sit and go, and just let it roll. And if you can do that, I mean, that makes it. Just think how tremendous that would be. That plus any kind of 401k or other investments that you had, wow, you'd be set. So uh, starting early, and it, it doesn't have to be the 200 You know, if you can do $50 a month. The whole idea behind doing something like that, starting early, is that you form these habits, and it's the habits that are going to get you through. So um, I think it's a, it's – I always recommend that for teenagers and for uh, college students to just go ahead and just start plunking something down. And keep it in a shoebox if you have to until you get enough money to really get into some investments. But get started on that. But not under the mattress. <laughs> not under the mattress. I, what I do is I have this. I have this sort of like a uh, a little game. One of the things that happens is is that we all have our tendencies, our leanings toward money. Some of us are spenders, and some of us are extreme savers. 
So for those people who are spenders, I always tell them, get a bunch of shoeboxes. I said, I know you got shoeboxes. Everybody's got shoeboxes, you know. Get a bunch of shoeboxes and label the shoeboxes for the things that you want to do. Like I want to, I want to get another pair of shoes or I want to take a vacation or, you know, all the things that you want to do. And then figure out how much that's going to cost you on an annual basis. Divide that by 12. And every month, put that amount of money in that shoebox. And you'd be surprised what happens at the end of the year because you get, you get, you get in the habit of, okay, oh, yeah, it's Friday. Now I've got to stick more money in my shoebox. And before you know it, you have enough money to do the things that you wanted to do without putting it on a charge card or going into debt some other kind of way because you've got your money sitting right there. Cool. Hey, Patricia, do you have any events coming up anytime soon that we might be able to participate in? Um, just had a couple. I probably, um, I don't know of anything right now, but if uh, if people do go and sign up uh, or send me an email, because right now my websites are in transition, so I'm not sure what what all is there right now. But if you send me an email, I will absolutely keep you updated, because we do expect to have something uh, coming out in November. We just don't have it uh, uh, solidified just yet. So we're expecting to have an event then. And each month, though, we do have a teleseminar that comes up. And our teleseminars are just twenty nine ninety five, And so you can get in on them, and we have some very great subjects that we talk about. And so the one for October is past, but we're going to have one coming up in November here again. So we'll have that, and I'll be happy to send people information about our November teleseminar. And could you tell us a little bit about your club? Oh, the Minding Your Money Club is just a, it's a way that we just keep in touch with people to let them know what's going on. Right now we did have an easing, but we're sort of uh, flowing into our blog. We now have a blog up. And so uh, we invite people to come. Oh, I'd love to have you come. Uh, each Monday we have the Minding Your Money Minute, which is an audio por- portion of our blog. And uh, they can come and listen to just a quick little thing to get your week start, you know, to get your, your week going and get your, your mind on money because that's what we're doing. And, uh, and there's, there's always some kind of articles or things that are on the blog. So the blog is, is going to be available at mindingyourmoneyblog.com. So we, uh, we'll have that up next week. We're just doing, you, you caught us right in a transition and everything is, um, is either down or it's coming up pretty quick. So we're, uh, we will have that next week though, if they can come and visit the blog. I know it will be there for Monday because we promised to have the Minding Your Money Minute on Monday for um for people so okay we do have several listeners on the line we hope you've gotten that information i'm going to give that email address at ps at mindingyourmoney.net um please go there and visit we'll also put a link to from our blog there and the sisters in spirit website will be up and running by the end of october as well so we'll have one central place for you to go for our information and uh the blog as well as the Bluet Magazine. Excellent. Um, before we close out, Sky, did you have any last comments? No, at this point I would just really like to thank Patricia for uh, sharing a wealth of knowledge with us. It was just so valuable, and um, I look forward to um, to hearing some of your, um, your, your moments and uh, 
participating in some of the other events um, that you talked about. So I look oh, forward great. to that. And thank you so much again. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Sky, a quote from you? Okay, let me see. Do we have a money quote here? <laughs> I think I'd like to say uh, happiness is not the mere possession of money. It lies joy of achievement and the thrill of creative effort. And that's Franklin D. Roosevelt. <laughs> Patricia, you had several in your book, 27 Savvy Financial Strategies for Women. Oh, you want to pick one to share with us? And then I'll pick one of them as well after you're done. Well, this is one that's, that's probably not in the book, but it's one by that great philosopher, Sophie Tucker. And I love to talk about Sophie. And what Sophie said is be from the ages of uh, 0 to 18, a girl needs uh, good parents. And from 18 to 35, she needs good looks. And from 35 <laughs> to 55, she needs a good personality. And from 55 on, she needs cash. So All right. I'm suggesting that the girls have cash from the beginning because if you've got your own cash, then you, can, you control your future. You control your destiny. And so, the women. Yes. That's wonderful advice. I'm going to use one of Patricia's quotes I mentioned earlier. If you don't mind your money, someone else will, and then they will control your future. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Thank you. <laughs> this is In Spirit on Inspiration Station. Remember to continue to increase harmony into your everyday living. Sky? Well, we enjoyed everything, and we invite you to um, visit us at inspirit at sistersinspirit.net. Thank you all for joining. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Patricia. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. Patricia.